Locked On Podcast Network and Odyssey present Locked On Today. Trey Young willed the Hawks to within a win of the eighth seed in the East. It's the Pelicans who will face the Clippers for the West's last spot. Plus, should the Dodgers really have pulled Clayton Kershaw after seven perfect innings? I'm Peter Bukowski, starting your day with the stories you need to know and biggest debates in sports. You're locked on today. Searching all major sports. Found. Let's start with the biggest story. The Atlanta Hawks. They smoked the Charlotte Hornets 132-103 to in a game where Trey Young, for most of the game, was not what we expect from Trey Young. Joining me now from Locked on Hawks, Brad Rowland and Brad, this is a team that has not met over the course of the season anyway, the expectations that we had coming off an Eastern Conference Finals run, but this is the version of the team that a lot of us thought we would see all season. What was different about this game? Yeah, I think a lot of it was matchup related. You know, the Hawks are facing a Hornets team that, if we're being honest, is pretty bad defensively at certain points. And that was pretty evident in this matchup. But really, the Hawks being able to overcome not necessarily a bad game from Trey Young, but a bad shooting game from Trey Young at the very least. And being able to get lots of balance elsewhere has been nice for them. And then defensively, as they said, all of them to a man after the game, they were really impressed with their defense in this one. I think I definitely agree. If you look at the numbers, the defensive performance was actually more impressive, arguably, than the offense because of the the opponent they were playing. Because Charlotte's really good on offense, and that was not the case in this game. As we push forward here, another game to go. What do you think of this matchup for the Hawks against the Cleveland Cavaliers? It's not too bad. The The caveat being that the Hawks have not had a lot of success on the road recently. In fact, uh, this was dug up in the last couple of days, but the Hawks only have one road win over a postseason team, not even a playoff, like playoff team, since January 1st. And it was they beat the Hornets, who were not exactly the greatest team, as we just saw this evening. So the Hawks have not had a lot of success on the road. That's the one caveat. But I think just in terms of, in terms of actual team quality, you could argue the Hawks are as good or better than the Cavs, especially without Jared Allen, who's been lingering out there and not playing recently for Cleveland. So you got to feel pretty good. Cleveland's offense is not anything special. They are much better defensively than the Charlotte team is. But if the Hawks can replicate what they did on defense in this game, the playing field will be pretty level. And at the end of the day, they also have the best player in the, in the game and Trey Young, and that always helps. What would scare you the most about saying, OK, well, if they lose, it's going to be because of be because of this thing? Yeah, that's a good question. I think it's really going to be perhaps just getting beaten up by, you know, traditional pick and roll stuff from Darius Garland, who's been fantastic recently. Even in the loss to Brooklyn on Tuesday, he was awesome for Cleveland. And guys like Kevin Love, Lauren Marketing can beat you from three point range. And the Hawks have a tendency to maybe overhelp and give up a lot of open threes. Um, and really, it, I guess the only other thing from there would be the fact that, that if the Hawks get another game like this from Trey Young, can they overcome two shooting games like this from Trey? Because usually offensively, he kind of drives the ship. And he was, I think he was better than his numbers were in this game. But if he doesn't play well, the Hawks are not the same team. So we'll see if they can sort of put together both ends of the floor. But at the end of the day, my biggest concern might sound a little bit uh, weird, but it's really the fact that they have to actually leave State Farm Arena where they've been uh, invincible recently. Which team do you think could give Miami a tougher seven-game series? 
I think the Hawks, to be honest, and not, not just because I cover them, I think the Hawks are the more dynamic team. I think we saw last year what they're capable of, not to say that they're going to make the same run again, but this is a very similar roster that pulled uh, at least one significant upset last year against Philadelphia. You can argue about whether the uh, winner of the Knicks was an upset, but this is a team that has experience pulling off that kind of upset. And really, the Hawks' offense is the best unit on either side. I think the Cavs have been awesome defensively this year, but without Jared Allen, they're a lot more human on that end of the floor. And the Hawks are number two in the league in offense. So if you're looking for a team that could sort of put it together four times out of seven on, on offense, that would probably be my best bet there. I think Miami will be favored in this series no matter what, but the Hawks have a better chance in my mind. Thanks for making Locked On today your first listen. Coming up, the Pelicans are a win away from the actual playoffs. Now they just have to beat the Clippers. Here's what to look for on Bet Online, your number one spot for all your gambling needs. There are a few NBA playoff series lines to keep an eye on. The favorite outcome of the Warriors Nuggets series is Golden State to win in seven. Bet Online has those odds at plus 310, of course. You could take the long shot option and bet on Denver to sweep, which is currently 25 to 1. Bet Online also likes the Bucks in five over the Bulls, a gentleman's sweep. Milwaukee winning the series 4 to 1 is plus 185 right now the longest odds a bull sweep 100 to 1 yep that seems right and the sixers over the raptors in 7 says bet online odds on that outcome plus 340 while toronto sweeping the series has the longest odds at 22 to 1 bet online where the game starts now here's what you need to be locked on today i was told one thing and they completely did another That was Baker Mayfield on a podcast Wednesday. Mayfield said he felt 100% disrespected when the Cleveland Browns traded for Deshaun Watson, effectively ending Mayfield's tenure as their starting quarterback. He said, I really, truly, honestly have no regrets of my time in Cleveland, of what I tried to give to that place. True Clevelanders and true Browns fans know that. He has voiced a hope that he ends up with the Seattle Seahawks, but he followed up with, even then, no idea. At almost $19 million this season, Mayfield is a pricey gamble at the game's most important position. Golden State Warriors superstar Stephen Curry participated in a team practice Wednesday for the first time since straining his left foot on March 16th. His head coach Steve Kerr said he felt good. Now we've got to see how he feels tomorrow and we'll evaluate tomorrow. The Warriors are scheduled to scrimmage Thursday, and Curry is expected to participate. This is a crucial step for Curry. As Kerr said, it would be irresponsible to have him play in a game before scrimmaging. The Guardians scored their fewest runs in the last four games, but they still scored seven and beat the Reds. Cleveland Guardians get another win. Only seven runs in this one, so a bit of a poor offensive effort compared to where it's been lately. I kid. Stephen Kwan has returned to being a mere mortal after what one could arguably say is literally the greatest debut a player has ever had. I mean, based on those first five games, he had already accrued a war of uh, 0.6. That means he's like 0.4 away from tying Greg Allen as the fourth best outfielder the Guardians have drafted and developed since the year 2000. That's that's how strong his debut was in five games. Uh, Guardians win 7-3. Tristan McKenzie is fantastic in this one. Eli Morgan comes in and piggybacks. They combine for seven innings, so Morgan gets the win. Uh, Guardians shut down Cincinnati. They have now won four in a row after those two uh, first two games. I believe Owen Miller leads the team in extra base hits. He had five doubles coming into the game. He had two home runs. Jose Ramirez had his third home run of the year, second home run of the year in this one. Either way, Guardians are going streaking. 
and the Mets bounce back after a poor showing in game one to take two of three from the Phils. How about your first place New York Mets? Huge series victory against the Philadelphia Phillies. Two series down, two series victories. And it was Max Scherzer that helped seal the deal for this Mets team. He did not have his best stuff. He really did have to labor through that first inning. Walked three batters, yet did not allow a run. That is damn near impossible to do. That is the measure of a great pitcher. When you have your C-minus stuff, can you find a way? Scherzer did that. He got through that top of the Phillies lineup three times for this team, which is all they needed, even with some shaky pitching out of the bullpen. The Mets piled a ton of runs in this game, Pete Alonso being the biggest contributor, driving in five. You had nine runs scored by this Mets team, and that was more than enough to get through this game, even with some you know, bad contributions from some guys in that bullpen, like Sean Reed Foley and Joely Rodriguez. The Mets were able to withstand that. They got the big out from their big-time relievers when they needed it with Seth Lugo and Edwin Diaz, and they ultimately walk away again with that series victory. They can head into their off day feeling really good about themselves. Here is another story you need to know. The New Orleans Pelicans, without Zion Williamson, though he was 360 dunking all over your timeline, no doubt, they get a win over the San Antonio Spurs, 113-103, thanks to 27 first-half points from C.J. McCollum, who came over in that trade this season. Joining me now from Locked on Pelicans, it's Jake Madison. Jake, what has changed about this team that now has them on the precipice of the postseason? Yeah, you know, it's been an up and down season for New Orleans, but one that's really started to peak, say, in February, especially after that trade for CJ McCollum. This was a team that early on in the year was really trying to wait to see if Zion was going to come back, if he was going to be kind of like Gandalf on the fifth day riding in to kind of like (laughs) save everything to get a really nerdy (laughs) reference in there. I love it. Once they realized that that wasn't going to happen, they started to kind of change the way they approach things and kind of play their own game. You really started to see Brandon Ingram come into his own as not just a scorer, but a guy that could dish out 10 assists on any given night. And then after the trade deadline, you added CJ McCollum, the veteran guard presence that they absolutely needed. And since February, this is a team that's ranked seventh in offense, eighth in defense. So they really started to peak at the end of the year. And then you factor in some really good drafting. Trey Murphy, you know, the 17th overall pick has played a key role this season. More importantly than that, second round pick Herb Jones, who maybe should make an all defensive team based on what we saw from him in this game, has been a key part. He's been starting since the second game of the season. All of those guys kind of punching above their weight, really contributing. He's really led this team to playing their best basketball of the season. And you saw it in the win over the San Antonio Spurs in the playing tournament game. So when we now look at this Clippers matchup, they have to play to get into that eighth seed to to face the mighty, mighty Suns, a team that that no one really wants to play. We can we can deal with that part of it if and when they win. Where do you think the Pelicans can carry over from this game into that game against the Clippers? You know, I, th- I think you look at their defense in this one. The, you know, they've played well against the Clippers with and without Paul George. And earlier on in the year when Paul George was playing, they handled them pretty well and won fairly handily. And in the most recent game, in one of Paul George's return games, where he's kind of turned into playoff P a little bit, you saw them get blown out on the road. So they're certainly concerned that they're going to Los Angeles to play a team that just beat them by basically 30 or more points. 
But I think you look at this team and you see the defensive effort from guys like Herb Jones, who had a couple just really special plays against the Spurs, really limited an all-star in DeJounte Murray in this one, holding him to 16 points on 5 of 19 shooting. You get that guy on Paul George, the Pelicans are going to have a chance if he gets the steals and the blocks that he's gotten all season. You've undrafted uh, Jose Alvarado in there, kind of making some of those plays and sneaky plays at times as he's known for. If they can get some of the defensive stops and limit a Clippers barrage from three, they're going to have a fighter's chance. I don't want to. I, I don't want to say that they're going to win, but it can at least be a close game going into the fourth quarter. And at that point, you look to your stars. You mentioned it. CJ McCollum with 27 first half points. Brandon Ingram in this one finished with 27 himself, really being a killer from mid range in the second half. They're at least going to feel good about their chances going into this matchup all things considered coming up why didn't the dodgers leave clayton kershaw in to finish off his perfect game today's episode is brought to you by built bar built bar is the best tasting protein bar ever it's the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar and if you haven't tried the puffs you are missing out in fact as soon as i'm done explaining this to you i need to go buy some more because i'm i'm actually out it's it's the worst i'm out of Built Bars, that's the only thing about Built Bars is eventually you run out of them and you have to order more. They are delicious and they are great for you. Packed with protein, fiber, but low in net carbs, low in sugar. And it is like a treat that you can feel really, really good about. With delicious flavors in the puff and the regular. Um, they they also have, have had these, these crisp flavors, crunch flavors where you've got different different centers they they cycle through and they just they keep finding ways to come up with interesting things to put in these I, I don't understand how they do it but they taste amazing and are good for you go to built.com and use promo code lock 15 to get 15 percent off your order that's promo code lock 15 for 15 percent off at built.com agree or disagree this is the Q of the day one of the biggest stories in the early baseball season clayton kershaw goes seven innings. This story is not about what happened. It's about what didn't happen after seven innings of perfect baseball. He was perfect through seven. Manager Dave Roberts decided it was time and he did not get a chance to chase history. This inspired all sorts of takes, as you can imagine, around the sports fandom universe. Joining me now from Locked on Dodgers, Jeff Snyder. Jeff, what did you think as this was happening? Well, I'll, uh, I'm going to correct your description a little bit. Uh, I would say Dave, manager Dave Roberts and pitcher Clayton Kershaw decided that it was time. Okay. They huddled up in the dugout after the sixth inning. They had a conversation. And uh, after the game, we found it that what that conversation was, was Kershaw said he felt good, good getting to 80 or 85 pitches. They agreed that... Uh, a complete game was not in the cards for a guy in his first start of the season after a shortened spring training coming off a season that ended in injury uh, and in 36 degree weather. The two of them agreed together that uh, a complete game wasn't in the cards. And so they said, let's go one more inning and, and call it a day. And you could see by the look on Kershaw's face in the dugout as he enjoyed the Dodgers hitting back to back to back home runs in the top of the eighth inning. <laughs> like Kershaw was happier than I've seen him in a long time. That was not the face of someone who was upset about missing out on his chance at history. In fact, after the game, the thing that he said he was most bummed about was he would love for Austin Barnes to get a chance to catch a no hitter. 
And, and so he said, hopefully we'll get that chance again. Uh, but he didn't seem to care at all about the personal accomplishment. And for me, in my mind, I thought at the time, I still think after you know hours of reflection, I think it was absolutely, undeniably the absolute right call that Dave Roberts and Clayton Kershaw made together. It is worth saying, the last couple of seasons, we, especially last season, we saw some no-hitters early in the year. We saw pitchers go the distance with these no-hitters, but I, I totally understand your point. It is his first start of the season, so this is, this is different. This is, you're, you're saying this is context, not culture. Absolutely. This was a pitcher coming off injury, uh, didn't pick up a ball until January. So his spring training was shortened anyway. He wasn't built up and it would have been a terrible idea. The reason that you have a process, the reason that you go into a game saying, okay, Kirsch, today you're throwing 80 to 85 pitches because that's what you're ready for. And to throw away that plan for a chance to throw a perfect game, which wasn't likely to happen. As Kirsch also said after the game, his slider kind of sucked the last two innings he pitched. <laughs> he, he felt a little bit lucky to have gotten through seven, you know, and so he wasn't going to finish the, complete, the, the perfect game, even if he had thrown a complete game. It was unlikely that it would be a perfect game. He already has three Cy Young Awards and a no-hitter and a World Series title. He doesn't need any to, any, to do anything to pad his stats. And this was the ultimate team move of recognizing his goal is to stay healthy and throwing 30 more pitches than he had planned on in his first start of the season is not the recipe for a guy who has spent time on the injured list the last five years to stay healthy. And finally, Alyssa Nakin made Major League history as the first woman to coach on the field in a regular season game Tuesday night. She filled in at first base for the ejected Antoine Richardson for the Giants in a 13-2 win over the San Diego Padres. I think we're all inspirations doing everything that we do on a day-to-day -day basis. And I think, yes, this carries a little bit more weight because of the visibility. Obviously, there's a historical nature to it, she said. But again, this is my job. Thanks for making Locked On Today your first listen. For your second listen, download Locked On Bets. All the gambling advice you need in about 20 minutes. Coming up Friday, we look ahead to the NBA playoff field. So at least until tomorrow, stay locked on today.